Hello, hello, and hello, everybody, and welcome to the 14th, the 14th Fantasy Football Forecast Podcast. Today's date is June 12th, and your hosts today are Jason, Patrick, and Owen. We will be going over six huge, emphasis on the huge bullet points today for our weekly news. Free agent signings, some NFL rumors, and of course, a very big trade that did occur over the past week that we have to talk about. The rest of the episode is dedicated to analyzing the players in the third and fourth rounds in the fantasy football big board. As a reminder, last week we talked about round one and two. Patrick, are you ready to take over the most riveting NFL news ever? Oh, yeah. Riveting. I don't know if that's the exact adjective I would use. I don't know of all time. But busy week. I mean, I've been busy, talking Definitely a busy week. I've been trash talking the weekly news for a bit now. Only like two points a week. We got six today. And wait, we got some meaty points. There's there's some depth to these points here. These aren't Mm -hmm. just, you know, like random things. They're all important. I think that's a good sign. Well, I mean, a couple of them aren't really that important, but that's okay. There's at least two in there that's pretty good. Number one, Julio Jones trade. We saw it coming. Julio Jones in a six-round pick trade to the Titans for a second and a fourth that are going back to Atlanta. Goodbye, A.J. Brown. All I can say. Not goodbye. Not even close. A little bit less of hello, maybe. Maybe instead of like a nice to meet you, it's just like a hey, you know? It's a downgrade, but it's uh, he does not have the potential to be the number one in the league anymore, but that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. He's an ACL tear away from being the number one. Uh, (laughs) Jason, you didn't have to say it. I mean, you didn't have to say it. I mean, we could have lived without that, actually. It's true. Okay, Julio has had injuries in the past. And he's 32. And we hope he does not get any injuries. Right, Jason? Jason, we, we hope, hope right? he does not. Well, I've never wanted anyone to get Good. injured. I just said he's an ACL that is away from what, being number one again. Well, so we saw right. this coming. Uh, we also see that obviously A.J. Brown is going to be a decreased on his, his fantasy value pretty obviously. Julio Jones coming in there, taking some of his value away. It's okay. Also, news is Julio Jones wear number two. So AJ Brown's keeping number eleven. He tried to give it away. Julio said no. He attempted. Julio, man yeah. of a man of class, letting AJ Brown keep his number. What a nice guy. What a nice guy. That is what true. A nice guy. Our next point is is quite of quite a confusing headline that I'm going to read to you. Really, it's just I think I worded this incorrectly or just confusingly. Kareem Jackson, who is a teammate of Deshaun Watson, went on a show with Akib Talib. And told Akeem Talib that Watson wants to go to the Broncos. Hmm. So. They want to reunite. They do. Now, is Kareem Jackson on the Broncos now? Yeah, he left okay. the Houston to go to Denver. He left Houston to go to the Broncos. Obviously, Talib played for the Broncos. I see the connection there. Um, Watson to the Broncos. I mean, Jason's been on the hype train of Broncos getting a QB for a while now. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers are going to work out. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is the guy exactly. Back to the Watson train. Back on? Jason yes. is back on the Watson train. 100%. Now what happens when he gets convicted of like sexual assault? Prison. <laughs> <laughs> Straightforward prison. That, yeah. But until the charges happen, I don't I don't I wouldn't see how they could possibly trade for him. I don't get that. Would you trade for them, Jason? It's, it's too much of a risk. I mean, I would trade for Watson because, like, he's still young, so it doesn't really, you know, 
if this does go away, then you you know two years down the line, if it goes away, everyone's gonna forget about it, and then you have a twenty seven year old elite quarterback. That is true. I think I, I I would struggle trading for him in the current state of the. Uh... Well, you're not gonna get him in the future, so you gotta go now and never. That his his stock is the lowest it probably will ever be right now. So I mean, <laughs> I if, we're, if we're thinking about just like from like a business standpoint, uh-huh. buy now. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a buy now, and then he just never plays for you though. That is the risk. He could just or it's a buy now, and then he played. Yeah, like you said, he's twenty seven. He's an elite quarterback. That's a risk that um I don't know. It might be smart to take. I wouldn't say smart, but I'd be. I would risk it. Okay. Yeah. Next up, Ravens re-signing the running back Gus Edwards, two years, ten million dollars. Good sign. I Good like sign. Edwards. I don't think people understand that Edwards is going to be part of this offense, and it's not going to be just J.K. Dobbins. I think Edwards is going to eat the, into the workload, and he could be a potential flex running back from time to time. That's nice. Yeah. It's a good role for him. And the contract just kind of proves that, though. You know, yeah, five mil a year. Investing that much into a running back just for him to be on the bench? Mm-hmm. No. That makes sense. So he's going to be involved. Mm-hmm. Next point up, a man that we have mentioned many times. Jason has been anti. I have been sympathetic, but not exactly the biggest fan. Juwan James has gotten a contract. Everyone clap it up. Clap it up. I'm the only one clapping. Yes, you are. I, I, I'm still the only one clapping. I'm clapping in my head. For, for Juwan? You know. Juwan James signing a two-year, $9 million contract with the Ravens. I'm pretty sure it's like 500 k this season because he's injured. And then a little over 8 mil next season. Yep. So what did Floyd Mayweather say after the fight? He's the best legal arm... Uh, le- Legal bank robber yeah. or something like that? I disagree. I would say John James is... <laughs> no, no, don't, don't say that about my boy. No. I have stolen millions for four <laughs> He's snaps. stolen millions. <laughs> He's been injured. He's putting in that work off facility. Just got injured, you know? Can't blame a man for trying. NFLPA said don't work out off facility, and then he did. Got hurt. And he's getting $8 million next year for it. <laughs> He's yeah. a literal bank robber. <laughs> Honestly, good for him. I, I, I'm kind of joining your side yeah, now. Good, good <laughs> clap him. it up for him. There we go. Let the clap go back. Here we go. Come on, Jason. Clap it up. Clap it up. Okay. Jason's, He's Jason's robbing everyone. <laughs> the only way I'll ever support this man is if he steals millions from every team. <laughs> oh, so Just it's either he steals all nothing, or nothing. He, Yeah, yeah. He has to steal. He has to be the greatest robber of all time. Yeah. Stay around, just keep getting paid without playing. Yep. Especially for the Ravens. You know, they, they can lose some money. <laughs> I would not be upset about that. So he's almost like a Robin Hood figure. He's uh, he's stealing from the rich, maybe. Is that going to convince you to maybe root for him? And then giving to himself. Yeah. Yes. No, no. Robin Hood, you, he needs <laughs> to give to the poor. He does not distribute the wealth. He just takes it. Then he's just being selfish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where that analogy came from, but it, it, it did not go in your I favor. Was, I was, I was, I'm really trying to <laughs> you're tr- you're shed trying. some light on Juwan, but it does not seem to be working. Anyways, You were good in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Next up, Dak Prescott leaving Adidas, and he's signing a five-year deal with Jordan. Which, to be honest, I didn't really know Jordan was in the football space. I don't care either way because it's just shoes. 
Yeah, no, this was the bullet point that I said didn't actually really matter. But it's Dak Prescott, so you got to throw the news in there. Jordan football on the rise next five years. Cool. Yeah, I don't really know any anything about this, so I'm just going to, you know, say just still don't care. Smile and nod. Yeah. Smile and wave. Smile and <laughs> wave, Smile boys. All right, <laughs> uh, last point we have here. Uh, Russell Wilson claiming that there were some issues last year, but overall he wants to stay in Seattle. Bad news for Bears fans. I mean, <laughs> not what he said a couple months ago, but all right. He did just recently say, this came out today, that uh, he wants to stay in Seattle, which, I don't know, maybe him and Pete Carroll have been working it out. The friendship's back. Better than what Aaron Rodgers is doing, apparently. What's Aaron Rodgers doing? Not Nothing. showing up to OTAs. <laughs> Wait, isn't he going to get, like, fined, like, $10 uh, yeah. million? They have the chance to find no. like, 93000 you can get fined a couple thousand but for not showing up if they want, but like I don't think it really matters for someone who's made over a hundred million to lose out on less than one million, but uh, less than a hundred K. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Did he, if he holds out longer though, it'll be That is true, it is probably gonna be a Did Rogers problem. like put out a statement of why he isn't showing nope. up to practice or is this just ghosting? I wonder what he could possibly be upset about that (laughs) he hasn't already been upset about. So Jordan Love does exist. I feel like the fact that they haven't traded Rodgers yet is a sign that Jordan Love is just not doing good at all, though. Because you have a first-round quarterback you picked last year Mm -hmm. sitting there taking in all first-team reps, and you have a guy who's taking up millions of dollars on your bench who doesn't want to be there, and your idea is... Yeah, we're going to try and get this guy back. Not the best look for Jordan Love in my mind. But, you know, maybe it's just, you know, a smokescreen for sure. And Jordan Love has just been elite this whole time. Which yeah. is why he was a third string last year. Yeah, maybe Jordan Love is going to just, like, next year's take over Aaron Rodgers' spot as, the, like, the number top five QB, right? Don't think it works like that, actually. I mean, going to be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Could happen? Possibly. No. No. <laughs> no. I don't think it works exactly like that. Basically, he's just going to be MVP next year is how it works, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's going to throw Guaranteed. like 25 touchdowns to Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, just simple. Simple logic. Rack up the Devontae Adams stacks. Is that it for the weekly news? Package? That is. That's a sad ending. Uh-huh. After Jordan Love is apparently Owen's new favorite player. Oh, no. Anybody who can throw the ball to Devontae Adams is my favorite player. Brett Hundley. <laughs> he did such a good job. Blake Bortles. Don't forget right. Blake Bortles. Never uh, forget Blake Bortles. Well, now we'll move on to, of course, the main part of this episode, which is rounds three and four of the big board, with uh, two small changes first. First change coming in at... Uh, Wide receiver number eight on the list, and also 21 overall, is now Calvin Ridley after the departure of Julio Jones, which also, coincidentally, A.J. Brown has fallen down all the way to wide receiver 11 and number 26 overall. So, to go over those two, Calvin Ridley is now in a situation where he's played a few games without Julio Jones last year, and he was on pace to be wide receiver three, if he had an entire season without him. Now, Julio Jones is gone, so Calvin Ridley has a full season without Julio Jones. So it makes sense, and at least in my mind, for him to, you know, probably increase a bit. 
And of course, Kyle really? Pitts is there. So we're not going to send him all the way up to three. Yeah. But wide receiver eight, right behind DK Metcalf at number 20. How do you feel about the overall effect of the addition of Kyle Pitts and the removal of Julio Jones? Uh, How do you think that balances out? Oh, well, it's definitely a major benefit. I don't care. Kyle Pitts is not going to be as good as Julio Jones for a good while. I thought he wasn't like other tight ends. I thought <laughs> he was not. different. But you know who's uh, who else is different? Julio Jones. I thought he was 32 and won toward ACL away from ending yeah. his career, Jason. And now, yes, that's this year. We're talking about the... You're saying Julio Jones last year versus Kyle Pitts now. I, I Yes, that is true. That is true. I would take Julio Jones over Kyle Pitts right now anyways, but... Same, I mean, but, you know. We're not, you know... The Falcons. The world isn't ready for that conversation, yeah. Owen. Anyways, uh, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, eight behind DK Metcalf. Solid spot. I mean, we, yeah. we talked about how he was top ten with Julio there. So, I mean, I'm not too worried keeping him top ten with Julio gone. Kyle Pitts is not as big as a threat as everyone seems to think he is. No. Especially in his rookie year. Not too worried about rookie tight ends. A.J. Brown falling down to wide receiver, 11, also with, uh, you know, Julio Jones um, joining him. Not yeah. the best. Or... So we, we did have the hype train of A.J. Brown's major potential without uh, any competition. Julio Jones is competition. No matter how injury-prone he is or old, he's still competition. That's the issue. I think wide receiver 11 is probably going to be around his floor, though, because at the I end of the day... I can still see him top yeah. 10. He's, he's looking in a situation where, you know... Corey Davis, Johnny Smith are gone. AJ uh, Julio Jones is in. Probably gonna just have Julio Jones take up more or less all of those targets, and then AJ Brown's still gonna get an increase in target value. So he realistically, will probably be a top ten still, but for right now, he's fallen down a bit to low to early third round at twenty six overall in wide receiver eleven, which does leave one player. In between him and uh, where we left off last time at Antonio Gibson, being wide receiver number 10, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. And uh, Justin Jefferson will be wide receiver number 10 as he continues on from one of the best rookie seasons of all time and looks to just continue that offense. Adam Thielen is getting older, so Justin Jefferson probably is going to be the number one in that offense. And... Adam Thielen was the biggest touchdown player on the entire Vikings offense for receiving touchdowns. So if that balances out more to Justin Jefferson's favor, that'll just be another increase for Jefferson overall. The defense should be better, meaning that the offense will, you know, be competing more and be in games. And if they're in games, that could be a good sign, could be a bad sign, depending on how good the defense performs. But I think, for the most part, it'll be a good thing for Jefferson just because he's going to, you know, get the ball more often, not have the defense on the field for 50 minutes. Yeah, Adam Thielen is aging, as you mentioned, and uh, Justin Jefferson's really just, just taking it over. I don't think Thielen's really competing for that one, number one spot anymore. I think really it's just going to be handed to Jefferson. Kirk Cousins, the human question mark. We've mentioned it before. But I really think just Justin Jefferson's performing, regardless of how bad Kirk Cousins ends up being, which he could be good. But there's always a chance he just completely sucks. But I think Jefferson's still going to have a productive season, basically regardless of how questionable Kirk Cousins is on the field. Yeah. All right. But uh, 
with that taken care of, now we move on straight in order for the rest of the list now because A.J. Brown would be 26. But we move on now to 27, being Allen Robinson, our wide receiver number 12. And Allen Robinson's in a situation where he's only wide receiver 12 because although a big upgrade, Justin Fields is his quarterback, there's still a question mark of the rookie quarterbacks playing. And you don't know how good he will be in the end of the day. The players, the wide receivers above Robinson are all safer players, more guaranteed production, more reliable. So it really, that's the biggest thing affecting Robinson. And it's always been the thing affecting Robinson the most. Robinson's always one of the most talented wide receivers who's just constantly been hurt by his quarterback play. And once again, until we see proven performance from Fields or Nick, or Andy Dalton. Or Andy Dalton, hey, QB1. But until we see that uh, proven performance from the quarterbacks, Robinson's just going to be slightly down the list and will be wide receiver 12. Still a wide receiver 1, but bottom of the barrel. Yeah, for you, you seem to have forgotten that they have Russell Wilson on the team, too. Mm, of course, they will be trading for Wilson soon enough, you're right. Yeah, they will always be forever attempting to trade for Russell Wilson. Don't know if it will ever actually happen, though. Probably not. At this point now, um, Allen Robinson stuck on a team with bad QBs. That's really it. Justin Fields could ball out. Possible. Don't have the highest expectations, though. Ricky QB drafted later on. So, I mean, you know, not exactly one of those top-tier rookies. I think he has the potential to be a top-tier rookie, but for some reason, NFL teams didn't draft him at the top, so that's always something you got to be concerned about. Why wasn't he taken second, as everyone thought he was going to be? That's just the question yeah. mark in my eyes. Um, Allen Robinson's still going to perform. Obviously not as safe. I feel like all the other wide receivers above him have more solid, you know, more consistent QB options, you know, less question marks around him. Except, you know, the human question mark himself, Kirk Cousins, that we just mentioned. But rookie QB might be more questionable than Kirk Cousins. That's a debate we're going to have to think about. I'll go with Cousins for now. <laughs> Cousins is still more questionable. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, solid, solid wide receiver. Questionable quarterback play is all you got to worry about. Also, usually horrendous O-line for the Bears. So that yeah. could affect the young QB even more. Well, it's getting better. It was. I just had David Montgomery last year, and that O-line was horrible. And it was tough to watch. Understandable. It was. <laughs> I could, I'm very biased because I had their running back, but it was tough to watch. But that's okay. You know, we're always looking for improvement. Indeed. And uh, speaking of looking for improvement, we have what a segue. running back 14, Joe Mixon, looking to bounce back. You know, he's struggled for the past forever now at this point. <laughs> like three years. But this is going to be the year where he finally breaks out. Probably. Possibly not. I don't know. We'll see. But Joe Mixon, running back 14, finally has the full backfield to himself with Giovanni Bernard gone. And with that in mind, he's going to be involved in the passing game. So even though their offensive line is still terrible, slightly improved, but still terrible, he will be getting production in the receiving game, which will make him, at worst, a running back too, no matter what. And Joe Mixon will, at least at this point, be taken maybe a reach, because, you know, he could end up being a mid-to-low running back too, but he's going to be a running back too, at worst. And... Who knows? It could be the year he actually does break out once again. <laughs> yeah. There's also the chance that he's just horrible once again. 
At worst, a running back, too. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I mean, this is third round. I don't know how upset you would be with getting a bottom bottom of running back, too. Running back it wouldn't be the end of the world here. Just there's, there's a lot of risk. He hasn't, you know, solidified himself. He's, he's been pretty no. bad for a while now. Yeah. But there's still a chance, right? There's always a chance. He's talent-wise got the ability to perform, but... He's just got to do it. The offensive, do it. No, no, the offensive line has to do it, not him. That's a problem. He doesn't have one of those. <laughs> he does not, no. Yeah, no. But it's a good thing they didn't draft no alignment, right? They got one eventually. <laughs> I mean, second round yeah. is good enough. But Joe Mixon is in a situation where, I mean, offensive line is going to kill him. And if they do perform with, you know, their free agent additions and the draft... You know, the Riley Reef got cut from, uh, got released from the Vikings. That's always a good sign when you get released from a bad offensive line. He's always a reliable player. Um, but maybe that is the final piece they need for Joe Mixon to finally break out. Could be. He's got. Yeah. I, ho- I hope it is. Go Joe Mixon, go. Yeah. Oh, and you used to love Joe Mixon. Yeah. Yeah, when he was good on my team three years ago. <laughs> well, he was never good. You just liked him because he was on your team. Yeah, and then um, he got injured, then did bad. Last season, we had the same conversation about him that he could do amazing, and he didn't. I wasn't having that conversation. Well, I was having that conversation with many people and other no fan- was talking to him, so other fantasy like, football podcasts were, were having that conversation the as return. well. So many people were. But he did not do good, sadly. I mean, he's got the ability this time because he's actually going to be involved in the receiving game without Bernard there. So that's what we're looking at, really, for Mixon this time around. You know, being able to get those uh, receptions, especially in PPR, is going to be the real difference maker for him. And he'll probably drop farther down than where we have him at 28 anyways. So that's always a good sign. If you get him lower than where he has right now, getting a steal. But now we move on to our next player, wide receiver 13, 29th overall, Terry McLaurin. And I kind of think Terry could be higher than this, but right now, you know, it's always been a question mark with the football team. So wide receiver 13. Yeah, the football team, of course. (laughs) The Washington football team has always been a question mark, but I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be great for McLaurin and although they're not going to be the best offensive team with Fitzpatrick in terms of NFL we've games we've said it all the time Fitzpatrick's a gunslinger who puts up numbers for fantasy and McLaurin being the wide receiver one is going to benefit greatly from that so no matter what happens I think Fitzpatrick being the first quarterback McLaurin has ever actually played with makes McLaurin go from the wide receiver two he is to a potential wide receiver one. Yeah, obviously the uh, the addition of Curtis Samuel is a little bit of competition. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's going to affect him too much, right? I don't th- see it being that big of an issue for McLaurin. I think personally, you know, uh, he's already performed with, uh, you know, other players on the roster, but I think the biggest factor is that he's proven himself over Samuel. That who, is true. Although Samuel has had good games, never really been at the same level. But now we're going to move on to our next player, 30th overall. Tight end number three, George Kittle. Which, I mean, 
George Kittle at 30 probably is where most people have him. Darren Waller being in the second round was probably early for most people. And a lot of people have Kittle above Waller. We've already said that doesn't make any Not sense. Fantasy, no. Not at all, no. Kittle is, you know, injury prone, which is the problem for him being tight end three. And I feel 30 might be a bit early for injury prone, but looking at who's below him, I'm fine with him being at 30 for now. I think Kittle is in a situation where he has the potential to be the best tight end in fantasy this year if Trey Lance takes over, because Lance obviously loves his tight ends more than uh, wide receivers and running backs. So obviously Kittle succeed will get the biggest benefit if Lance takes over early. And if Kittle stays healthy, then he obviously has the highest upside out of any tight end. But those are two big ifs in that you don't know when Trey Lance is going to take over for the 49ers, don't know how good he'll be, and you also don't know if Kittle will stay healthy. And all those factors... That is a lot of things yeah. piling up. Too big of a risk for me to really want to take it, take Kittle above the other two, but I would take him as my tight end number three in the third round for sure. Yeah, I'm not upset with the placement. This is the, usually once you hit the third round, that's when I, I mentally become okay with tight ends getting taken off the board. I guessed end of second. I, I think my, I was a little bit harsh. I, I would not have taken the, the tight end in the first round. That's just personal preference. Kittle, I mean, we've debated before. We think he's the number one tight end in the NFL. But fantasy-wise, he is third. I don't think there should be much debate about that. For some reason, I, I, don't, I think Darren Waller is just too good receiving-wise that George Kittle can't really compete with him personally. Um. If there are stats for blocking, then Kittle could be one again. Well, yeah, yeah. We, we've talked about that, obviously, but there, there's no stats for blocking. You know, the offensive line gets no love, but that's okay. Uh, but 30, not upset with the spot. Uh, obviously, injury concerns wear me a bit. But, I mean, you're taking a risk. It's your third, it's your third round pick, so, I mean, that's up to you, really. I mean, if, if you want to take that risk, if you have a solid first two rounds, you're okay with taking a little risk at the tight end. Because if, if he stays healthy, he's producing. Yeah. But, you know, can you get him on the field all every every week? I don't know. We'll have to find out. You want the adrenaline rush? Yeah. Probably take, not every take, week. Take the injury sure. pro player. No, do you get the adrenaline rush, Jason? Like, oh, is he going to play? Well, oh, I, I see he's Stephon, questionable. Yeah. He's questionable. He's doubtful. Don't worry. I have Stephon Diggs in the fifth round, so I'm, you know, more willing to take risks. <laughs> that okay. is the worst feeling ever, though. Having, like, a guy in your lineup oh, yeah. that's questionable for, like, every five week. days. Every oh, week he's questionable. I, I had the same thing like for like all my players. Questionable, doubtful, back to questionable. Healthy, probable, he- probable. It, healthy for a little bit. Occasionally, nope. back to questionable. You get the cue. <laughs> then just straight done. Tire. Done for like three weeks. It's That's a roller okay. coaster. Yeah. It, it, it keeps you on your toes. The adrenaline. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, adrenaline. The fantasy getting a little too boring? Just get those injury-prone players. Exactly. They'll keep you on your toes. Keep you on your toes. The amount of like new, health checking. news articles you, you read. Mm-hmm. Too many. Yeah, just get in that roto world, right? Roto wire is that what it's called? Uh yeah, yeah. That's the one they do all the injuries. Yeah, that's all you, all you need. Uh, moving on now, thirty-first player on the list. Back to the running backs and running back number fifteen, Miles Sanders, Owen's favorite running back of all time. Uh, of all time. Of all time, for sure. You know they go in week in week out. But Clyde Miles Sanders, close second. I was oh, gonna close. say Clyde Edwards is up there, Jason. I wanna. Oh, I apologize. I don't want to give too much love to Miles Sanders. 
Oh, I'm, don't worry. We're not giving Miles Sanders a lot of luck because oh, he's we in a pretty bad situation. Miles Sanders? He's that's on re, that's the, respectable. Yeah, he's, he's, not, he's not in a good situation he's not at all. A arguably bottom three team in the league. I'm aware. So that alone, <laughs> I am very as a running much aware back, not a yeah, very good sign. Because during, during like last season, he barely got to touch the ball, and they were always in desperation, so they were always trying to chuck it down the field. Miles Sanders is not in a good position for a fantasy running back. Good news. The situation's gotten even worse. Yeah. I'm aware. It's not looking too hot for Miles Sanders. Yeah, no. Uh, bad situation all around. Uh, Sanders, you know, running the quarterback. Horrible team. Bad defense for the most part. They have pieces, but pretty bad overall. Good sign, though. No real wide receivers besides, you know, the rookie Devonta Smith. You got that going for you. Uh, the so, disrespect to Jalen Rieger. He's going to get targets at least. We know that. He's going... uh, he'll get targets. However, yeah, we have disrespected Jalen Rieger basically every time we talk about the Eagles, so I think I think it's okay. Yeah, you got to stay consistent at least. Mm-hmm. But Sanders will be getting targets. so Because he's literally that. the only offensive player on the team. Practically. No, no. Dallas Goddard's yeah, definitely yeah, way better than ends. him. However, at the end of the day, Sanders will be involved. He'll have the highest volume, and that is why he is where he is for the Eagles. You know, if he was on a different team, probably would be a running back one, um, but he's not. So yes, he unless the offensive line can team. really bounce back this year, which they are healthy, so maybe he's not going to have the best uh, best uh, season. But that is one thing he has going for him. The O-line is not awful like also, the rest of the offense he's not going to be consistent this year which is just a bummer he he can last season he went from like going oh he ran 110 yards and then he ran 20 yards the next week it's I not think consistent that would probably be more so um he ran for 80 yards on one play and then got 30 <laughs> yards for the rest of the game and then got 20 <laughs> yards the next week yeah his, his consistency big play but, potential though think about it yeah, no, he's in a situation where he's not the most healthy running back either, which another negative. But for the most part, he's got an interesting situation where offensive line is back healthy, so that's a positive. He's got a running quarterback to compete with, negative and a positive, though. It's up and down. If Hertz breaks out, that's probably best-case scenario because then Hertz will run less, and then that will mean with the passing game being, you know, actually useful then the running game will also open up as well so realistically if you're going to be taking sanders if you're going to be reaching for sanders it's going to be betting on jalen hurts more than anything else which i probably won't but i could understand anyone who is willing to do so but we move on now to our next player back-to-back running backs and running back number 16 and it's our first rookie of the draft being Najee okay. Harris. Okay, Najee. Number th- running back 16, 32 overall. I mean, we already said R- Najee Harris is uh, currently too high, as there are yep. some people taking him as a running back one. I once saw him drafted first round in a mock draft. Oh, Horrible decision that, making. But uh, <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking about. Yeah, no, not a good idea at all, but it happens, and uh, Najee Harris is in a situation where it's pretty good, though, because, like, himself, if he's taken in the third round, that's a great place for him. 
First round, horrible place. Second round, better be pretty late. But mm-hmm. Najee Harris, I mean, we've said it before, offensive line, still horrible. They brought in... No, no, no. He's basically James Conner, though. That's mm-hmm. how it works. That's how it works. Of course. He's going to have his breakout season as a rookie and then get worse and worse as the <laughs> season goes on. O-line doesn't This is the year that. to hop on Najee Harris. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't make a lot of sense with their offensive line. It's, once again, one of the worst run-blocking lines in the league. They didn't improve it, nope. and it got even worse with retirements and departures. But it's a good thing they drafted that rookie running back, though, because that yeah. solves all their issues. And a second-round tight end, because that's also... Could be it, a blocking tight end? That might help He's sometimes. supposed to be the best blocking tight end in the class, but that okay. doesn't really matter in today's NFL when there are no blocking tight ends. No. But he is supposed to be the best one. Could be George Kittle. Could be. Yeah, yeah, no. The, George Kittle with no pass, no catching ability, just blocking. Uh, no, he's not that, unfortunately. <laughs> However, Najee Harris has the one upside of new offensive coordinator who probably won't be passing 500 times a game. So, with that in mind, he will be getting more carries, and he's automatically a workhorse. So, mm-hmm. his opportunities and his draft capital. And his all-around talent are the three things going for him. The downside is a terrible offensive line. He also, even if it is a passing attack, Big Ben can't throw too well. So You're not wrong. you can get the checkdown bonuses for Najee Harris as well. Another benefit for him. So there are benefits. It's just he's got a horrible offensive line. It's like really bad. That's really the only negative. And maybe we're stringing that harp too much, but... I don't think it's going to be running back one right out the gate for Najee Harris. I think he's going to, you know, slow start, end of the season, might get there, but it will not be to the high level that he's currently being drafted for some people. Yeah, I'm not too upset at his placement. He is being overrated right now, but that's okay. People have to learn. Yeah. Or will be proven wrong as a chance. I mean, higher chance. Clyde Edwards Hilaire last year not saying anything. Anyways, moving on. Yeah, wide receiver 14, 33rd overall. One of the favorites, C.D. Lamb. Let's go. C.D. I mean, we've already said Cowboys offense is going to be firing on all cylinders, especially when they will be on the field because their defense gives up touchdowns in five seconds. It's going to be... They're, they, uh, all they care about is those fantasy stats for the offense. Defense knows what they're doing. Get you, the boys yeah. back on the field so they can run up the touchdowns. Yeah, what do you do when you already have two good linebackers on your team? Draft a third one. Uh, anyways. Linebackers, key position on the defense, obviously. Of you need three of them. When the linebackers are strong through suit, you always get another one uh-huh. instead of the cornerbacks you need. But C.D. Lamb is going to be this year's Chris Godwin slash Calvin Ridley. Colin, I like the yeah. sound of that. He's going to be the breakout wide receiver one being drafted later than he should be. And, I mean, last year, we've already said it, when he had Dak, was on pace, pace to be a wide receiver one. And then, of course, injuries struck. He slowed down. But, once again, this defense is terrible. The offense is going to be behind in countless games. C.D. Lamb will be getting lots of targets. And both him and Cooper... Have the 
have the ability to ability to succeed no matter what week it is, no matter who their opponent is. Their schedule is going to be one where they're going to be competing in most of these games. They're going to be trailing in a lot of them, like week one against Buccaneers. They play the Chiefs later on. Both those games are going to be down early. They're going to have to pass a lot. This is going to be a high-passing offense. CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper are the established 1-2 with Zeke close behind us, their third passing attack option. But it's going to be a successful offense with CeeDee Lamb. He's going to explode onto the scene this year. Yeah, I like CeeDee Lamb. I like him with Dak. Don't like him when he's not with Dak. Mm. Andy Dalton didn't do too good last uh, year. No, QB1 for the Bears did not do too well. But that's okay. I um, I have hope. I open him. I mean, I, I think I believe I have him in a keeper spot. So if I have the opportunity, I will be keeping him. Mm. I do forget what round I drafted him in before. But if I if I have the opportunity, he's an obvious keeper you for me. Probably will be keeping him. That is unfortunate news to hear. <laughs> I'm I'm searching right now to try to find the draft board from last year. I don't even know if you drafted him. He might have been a free agent. There is a good chance. I'm I'm scrolling for a while here trying to find a draft board. But when I find it, I'll, I'll give the update. But I, it's an easy keeper for that me. Is I mean, he's going to break out. Yeah, I always knew C.D. Lamb would be a bad bad player this next season. Would uh, not draft. Uh, yep. What, mean, only honestly, player on my do not draft board. <laughs> probably the worst draft pick of all time. I mean, yeah. why would someone even keep him? I mean, No one should keep him. That's, oh, no. <laughs> okay, well, that hurts the soul a bit. Oh, wait, wait, I just pulled it up. Let's see. Bad news for me. Oh, yeah, he's late. Ninth round. Let's go. Let's go. Ninth round CD Lamb pick. That stings a bit. I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay, well, (laughs) I'm a bit demoralized right now. Uh, Moving on, I guess, to our first quarterback. Yay. Jason, smile through the paint. Smile through the paint. (laughs) We got Patrick Mahomes at 34, which, I mean, a third-round quarterback was a bit earlier than I thought I w- that we would end up with, but here we are anyways. Patrick Mahomes, quarterback one, obvious answer. I mean, people have him end of the second round. Automatic dumb decision to draft any quarterback then. This year is an interesting year where quarterback's an interesting position because for the most part, you struggled to have 12 solid guys that you know you're going to be able to get as a quarterback one this season for the first time in a while. So I would be willing to go earlier on quarterbacks, but never in the first two rounds will I ever take a quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes in the third round is even a bit earlier than I would probably want. But he's still the best quarterback in the league. The biggest problem with Mahomes as your first quarterback, especially this early, is that for the most part, the top five guys are all pretty interchangeable. I would be fine with Mahomes, Kyler, Lamar, Dak, or Allen as my quarterback one and say, this guy has the potential to be the best quarterback this season for fantasy. So why would you shoot on the first quarterback off the board when you could get get a guy in like the fifth round who has just as good of an odd to be QB1 at the end of the season? It just, that's a thing that I don't get. But end of the day, Patrick Mahomes will be a top five quarterback for sure. We know that. So it makes sense. QB won off the board right away. I mean, 
Some people seem yeah. to think that he's in a, a tier of his own, which I don't exactly believe. He doesn't have the rushing ability to be in a team tier of his own. Yeah, so I, I would agree with you. He is pretty similar enough. He's close enough to the rest of them that I would not reach early just to get Mahomes. I'd be perfectly fine with any yeah. of those other five. I would be willing to take uh, most of them in the fifth round, but Mahomes is going to be gone by then for sure. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it makes sense, you know. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, what more do you need with an elite quarterback? Every week he's going to be a top-five quarterback, more or less. So, I mean, reliable no matter what, producing at an elite level no matter what. It's going to be a good season for Mahomes. But not exactly one that I would be taking this early. But, I mean, it makes sense. Some people have him early, so... He's going to be a solid pick no matter where he goes. Just not the first two, please. And, uh, Patrick, I think... Third round is looking good for my boys. Let's go. Yeah, Robert Woods is our next player, 35. Wide receiver 15 is a big rise from where we last saw him. I have been an OG Robert Woods fan. It's been three or four years now. I've been on the bandwagon. I'm very happy that my boy is getting the recognition. He sneaks into the third round for this one. At wide receiver 15, but uh, yeah, no, Robert Woods making an appearance, and uh, I mean, we've already said Rams are going to be a great team this season, and get as much stock in that team as you can, because they all will be successful this year. I mean, a playoff team with Jared Goff now has a top 10 quarterback, and the wide receivers are going to love that, no matter what. Honestly, the only downside to having these guys is the Rams might be so good that they win early and end up running the ball (laughs) more than anything else. That is a bold thought. But that is the only... I I wouldn't worry too much about that. That is the only possible (laughs) downside to to Robert Woods is if the team just is so good that they have to run the clock in the fourth quarter. (laughs) I feel like this is like the the peak of how much you can hype up a team. All right. Well, I've already, I we've already said I currently have the Rams as my favorite for the Super Bowl. So I guess that makes sense. I guess you know you can't hype up a team more than that. But if I can, I <laughs> the would. The only negative about the wide receivers is they might be running the ball after the the whole second half because they're winning by. <laughs> well, 50. I didn't say a whole second half, but now that you mention it, there is a possibility. <laughs> but what Robert Woods? I mean, I think he's going to be the wide receiver one over Cooper Cup. They're both. And basically in their prime, starting to head out, but still in their prime for the most part. That's mm-hmm. what matters the most. Late twenties. Now, I for some reason I see I, I thought that like the the popular idea was that Cooper Cup was higher rated than Robert Woods. Is that just that me is, not paying attention? I always assume people thought higher 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 they Cooper Cup. Do, but Robert Woods still does better. Every year, I, did, I didn't know starting... if I was like out of the loop because I don't nah. pay attention to Cooper Cup. I'm only a Robert Woods fan, and for some reason, I always thought like public knowledge and ideas where Cooper Cup is still the better wide receiver. That has been the common belief for quite a while, but you're starting to see more and more people start to shift over to Robert Woods, mm-hmm. and it makes sense as he's produced better for a good while now. So it makes sense that people are shifting over. Public opinion, I'm not too sure who would go first, but they are very close either way, and Cooper Cup will be making an appearance shortly on this list in this episode, so it does not really matter too, too much, but yeah. 
I, I would assume in whatever draft you are taking in, I, I would I wouldn't be that surprised if Cooper Cup gets picked before Robert Woods, which I think is just more value for Woods if you take yeah. him later on. Either way, either of these guys for the most part will be very successful as Robert Woods potential he could break into the wide receiver one category if, you know, some of those guys above him start to struggle. But right now, wide receiver fifteen in a great situation looking to have a great year once again. But we move on to the last pick in the third round. Quite a fall in his ADP compared to last year of last pick in the first round being Clyde Edwards-Hilaire running back 17. Quite a drop. Yeah. Uh, it is unfortunate to see. I wouldn't be very upset with this. One positive is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, as we've said, one of the most consistent running backs in the league, which running back 17 is a safe place to expect him to produce once again, as last year, that's what he was producing. And, I mean, the Chiefs' offense, more or less, is identical. So I would expect, more or less, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to produce identical numbers. A consistent running back, too, not going to win you any games, but you know what you're getting, and he will do it week in and week out for you. It's going to be a solid player, He's going to just, you know, a safe player. Nothing. He doesn't have a chance at running back one numbers, more or less, unless he really becomes like an efficient runner. But unless he has a breakout offseason and is like doing everything to the max, which probably not, he's going to just continue being a solid running back, too, as he's done throughout his entire career, which, you know, one year entire career. I, I'm not. I'm not too. I think the only issue with Clyde Edwards is what we saw last year, just the overhype. Yeah. You pick him at his value, not an issue. We make fun of Owen because Owen fell for the hype and picked him in the first round. But we, if someone was gonna do it, right? Yeah. Regardless, someone staying him in the first round. Owen just happened to be that guy, so we had to make fun of him. He, I'm, he's not bad. He's oh. just he had the hype as a rookie, which you just can't see. So I think you pick him at his value, not a bad pick. Just don't get caught up in the hype and take him early. That's the only issue here, you know. Yeah, no, he continues to be, you know, it's an interesting situation. There are Chiefs fans out there who, for some reason, believe he will be a running back one once again. Hopefully you have one of those guys who overpicks him. And there are other people who think, oh man, he did so bad last year. But he wasn't bad. He was a solid running back too that people just drafted in the first round for some reason. Like, if you draft him at the right price, like every player... It's going to be a great pick. And there are people who have him like, oh, a terrible running back. Don't even waste your time. Not even a top five yeah, pick. He's not, he's not even that but bad. He's, he's a just, good player. He's just overrated and overhyped yeah. sometimes. There are people who think he's going to be great. There are people who think he's going to be terrible. He's going to be a solid number two once again. I mean, he's consistent. That's what he does. He's a safe player who produces consistent numbers every week. And I would expect him to do that once again. But... A player who's not so consistent or safe and is going to be looking to have a good season. First player in the fourth round, 37th overall, running back 18, Chris Carson. Which, not as safe of a player because injury prone and Seattle offense has had its uh, ups and downs throughout the years. That's a nice way to put it, ups and downs. I mean, yeah. The big thing to look here is that Chris Carson got a new contract with Seattle, meaning they're invested in him. So he will be the workhorse in this backfield. Rashad Penny, 
first round pick, bust. It's he's done. I mean, when you re-sign the other guy, it's not a good sign for the other. Yeah, not a good sign for yeah. uh, Mr. Penny. Penny never really succeeded in becoming a starter, let alone a first round talent running back. But Chris Carson, running back eighteen right now, because he is going to explode every once in a while, and then there are going to be weeks where he struggles. But there are games, Chris Carson's in a situation where he's currently being undervalued. This Seattle offense is looking to improve. The offensive line, I mean, they added a six-round talent, but for the most part, it's more or less just the same. It's uh, not looking like an elite level. I mean, the addition of Gabe Jackson is always helpful for, you know, one more guard. That's good, but... It's nothing nothing stellar, once again. It'll continue to struggle. But Chris Carson has produced with that offensive line struggling, and it did improve. So that's a sign for him to improve. As, you know, a solid running back, too. He came into the season early with a lot of touchdowns and solid rushing numbers, and people saw that as he was going to be one of the... He was going to have a great season. Then Wilson slowed down, and the offense fell with him. But Carson's in a situation where Seattle is invested in him. The offensive line has improved slightly. And he's still uh, going to be involved in the passing attack. So he's going to succeed in this offense. Even if it's not from rushing, he will get the passing catches as well. And he's going to have solid running back two numbers. And he could be a high running back two at the end of the season for sure. He has the ability to really break out this year if all goes well. Just hope all goes well. May not though, but that, no matter that what, is, that is true. He's gonna. I think he'll be a running back too, regardless. Like that's a ceiling and floor. Yeah, well, we have a running back eighteen, yeah. dead center running back too. Exactly. He either goes up or he either goes down. That's why you take him in the middle. <laughs> you don't take him early yeah, if you, you head, get him you late. You hedge the bet. You know, you're not too yeah. upset if he busts, and you're pretty happy if he uh, turns out to be a stud. You know. Exactly. Uh, moving on though. Back to the wide receivers, we have wide receiver 16, 38th overall, Chris Godwin, which Chris Godwin makes a cut over Mike Evans, and that might be a bit of a surprise for some people, as Mike Evans is a ways down the list. He still will be in this episode, but quite later on. Chris Godwin gets a hedge over Mike Evans, though, as he looks to bounce back from last year. The difference between Godwin and Evans is Evans was heavily touchdown dependent. There are games where he only got like two catches, five yards, but two touchdowns. And that number, good enough, producing points. That's good, good game. But you're not going to bet on that week in and week out. And coming into a new season, not something I would really want in my receiver. Yeah, he ended the season with over 1,000 receiving yards, but... Chris Godwin, I think, is looking to be the better receiver going into the new year just because he's not touchdown dependent like Evans was. Chris Godwin, obviously, he has a good chemistry with Brady. Brady already said this past offseason he likes big, fast guys. Chris Godwin is the bigger, faster guy. He's not big, is the faster between the two of the receivers and looks to be in a situation where he should be the better of the two wide receivers in, in uh, Tampa Bay this offseason. The good thing for these receivers, though, is no running backs really getting involved. I mean, 
Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Unfortunately, Fournette, Jones, and Bernard don't look to be the biggest threat in my mind to Chris Godwin. Yeah, LaShawn McCoy might be coming back. Uh, wow. <laughs> Another ring chaser. Uh, but, yeah, no, Godwin's in a situation where he should be successful, although he has quite a lot of targets to compete with. He, I think, will be the best of the group and most successful. Now, if I would target anyone of the Buccaneers, I would personally go after Antonio Brown just because of the late-round value and very similar production where Antonio Brown could be a flex-wide receiver you're getting 11th, 12th round. But Chris Godwin will be the best numbers, which is why he's highest on this list. Value-wise, I think Antonio Brown's the best, but pure totals, I would bet on Chris Godwin this year. Yeah, I think he has the ability to shine in the Bucks offense. Mike Evans, I mean, close. But I think fantasy-wise, Chris Godwin is just superior. Yeah, run after catch really just separates the two of them. Oh, yeah. We move on now to a player who recently moved. We've already said the trade. It's wide receiver 17, Julio Jones, now in Tennessee, which he's fallen down to wide receiver 17 because I don't really like him in Tennessee, personally. I think that it's going to be an interesting situation there. Now, he's basically in a worse Atlanta offense where he still has his Calvin Ridley, except it's A.J. Brown this time, but it's not a pure offensive passing attack. Because Derrick Henry's there. They do have that guy, Derrick Henry. Yeah. He's quite good. Derrick Henry is going to be the number one in this offense. And Julio Jones is going to hurt from that. Because Julio Jones, these past few years, has been in a situation where it's him and Ridley. And that's the entire offense. They don't have any run game. And he was producing solid wide receiver one numbers. But now you have a run first team where he still has that other elite wide receiver one to compete with. And I think he just struggles from that. I think A.J. Brown's going to be the better of the two of them, and Derrick Henry will continue to be an elite running back no matter what, which ultimately just causes Julio Jones to be the third man in that offense who takes the deficit and is ending up as wide receiver 17 because of it. Yeah, I think he obviously has potential with the new team. I don't know, how do you feel about the comparison between Tannehill and Ryan's QB play? Uh, I feel like Tannehill, I mean Tannehill's proven to be a very accurate quarterback, but for fantasy-wise, I would say Ryan would be better just because he has more total numbers and total volume. That is true. Because that's really the big difference. The passing attempts, Matt Ryan definitely blows Ryan Tannehill away in that regard. Yeah, Derrick Henry is the biggest negative right now. Which is, I feel like that's, in terms of accuracy, it might be a slight upgrade. I would say Tannehill's a more accurate and better quarterback for what the Titans need him to be. He's more successful in this offense. But uh, fantasy-wise, it's going to be tough for Julio to really establish himself. Uh, yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry's tough. Yeah. AJ Brown's also just, you know, not a nobody. He's, exactly. he's quite good at football. He is quite good at football, so indeed. That, that is tough competition to just walk into. But we move on now to a personal favorite here. At running back 19, 
40th overall, Miles Gaskin, making his appearance finally. Yeah. He's, I have him at 40 overall, much higher than a lot of other people. I've already established I am all in on Miles Gaskin this year. As all in. I think he has the potential to be a running back one. And if I have him as my running back two, I will take it any day of the week. I think Gaskin's in a situation where he will succeed no matter what the offense does, just because he is that all-purpose back that Miami has invested in. Nobody in the offseason, nobody in the draft. We've already seen it last year. Gaskin is the workhorse for Brian Flores, and he's going to once again continue his success from the end of last season into this next season and really just establish himself as that number one running back in Miami. Obviously, the downside of Tua being a question mark and a lot of new receivers in that offense could cause, you know, target problems. But no matter what, Gaskin's getting all of the carries, and he will be involved in the passing attack. I mean, Tua's a more conservative running back to begin with, so it doesn't really matter. Even if, you know, you have all these new guys, He's going to get a lot of targets because Tua's just so conservative. He will be checking down. He's young. He needs a reliable target. If that running back is his target, that's even better. But Gaskin's in a great situation coming into this new year. We've already said, or at least I have, I'm all in on Gaskin. All in on Gaskin. He has the potential. Yeah. I will also be officially joining you on the Gaskin bandwagon. It's a good place to be. A good good train to, you know, hop on to. All in. All in. Are you all in? I'm pushing my chips to the center of the table. We're all in. All right. That's what we like to hear. But we'll move on now off of uh, one of the best players to get in the draft, too. <laughs> oh. Uh, a solid player, nonetheless. Oh, okay. Well, Next. big insult to him, I guess. Uh, I'm just saying he's not as underrated as all. That's the only mm-hmm. difference. You know, nothing against wide receiver 18, Cooper Cup. You know, following Robert Woods close behind. We have the next wide receiver in L.A. We've already said L.A. is a great place to be. I would go all in on all of these wide receivers. And Cooper Cup is seemingly going to be another great player. I mean, the big problem with Cooper Cup is Robert Woods is just a better fit with Stafford so far. Based off of play styles of from Detroit and L.A., Matt Stafford gels better with the Robert Woods-esque receivers more than Cooper Cup's style of play, which ultimately is the biggest flaw for Cooper Cup. But there's nothing he can do about that. And he'll still be successful in this offense because it's him and Woods more than anything else. Yes, they have the Tyler Higby playing as tight end, another player who we are admittedly high on because yeah. LA, all in on LA. But Cooper Cup will still be a clear one-two with Robert Woods. And then you have Cam Akers and Tyler Higby as like the tier two rece- receiving weapons. So Cooper Cup going to be successful with Robert Woods. He's going to have probably the easier matchups with cornerbacks too, which could ultimately lead to even more points and an even better season for Cooper Cup, pushing him higher up this list just because easy matchup, great quarterback, successful results for Cooper Cup. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm a Rob Woods fan. I do prefer Rob Woods over Cooper Cup. But that doesn't mean Cooper Cup's bad. That just means I think he gets more hype than he deserves. 
So personally, bigger Robert Woods fan. But Cooper Cup, still solid wide receiver. Obviously, we're high on the Rams. So, I mean, still draftable. This is where I would like Cooper Cup. I have a feeling he's going to get drafted for this, though. Probably. I see him going, like, third round. So, I mean, this yeah. is a little bit. I would a, take him It would here. be a slight fall into the fourth round. But yeah. it's possible. I w- I'm, not, I'm, I'm not upset with the value here. I'd be a little bit more upset if you take him third round. A little too early in my eyes is all I'm saying. I would be happy if someone else took him in the third round. Well, yes, someone else. But I'm not taking him that early is what I'm saying. Definitely not. But we move on now. 42 overall. Back to the running backs. Running back number 20 we have here. J.K. Dobbins. Which J.K. Dobbins has been getting a lot of hype as the potential sophomore uh, sophomore breakout running back. But I don't see it happening. In a Baltimore offense that already has Lamar as the leading rusher, no matter what, and Gus Edwards especially now that he has that contract extension, J.K. Dobbins is in a situation where he is not going to break out. Although he has an effective running back even in his rookie season, and he's going to be a great running back no matter what, no matter how many carries he gets, it's just not going to be his season he can't. He's not going to be involved in the receiving game. He can't catch well, and he's not going to get a high enough carry total to really push that high running backs, running back two, low running back one range that people want him to be. Gus Edwards is going to be a way bigger factor than people think. Lamar Jackson already major factor. I would say Lamar Jackson will get more carries than J.K. Dobbins once again. And that, that's tough for J.K. Dobbins. There's even, you know, the news of Todd Gurley visiting Baltimore. Just a lot of things going against Dobbins this season that I personally don't see him as the high ceiling everyone else has. The big value he brings is effective running and a run-first offense. That's what his game is. He's a strong running back. He led the league in yards per carry, but it's just not going to be his season. Unfortunately, it's not going to be the J.K. Dobbins breakout year. Any other team, he would definitely be, definitely be an elite running back one. But stuck in Baltimore, not a good sign for Dobbins. Yeah, no. Bad situation. I mean, we talked about Lamar. Lamar kills running backs. Yeah. He, just, he takes too many carries away. It's, it's hard for to compete. That's just simple as it is. But I believe in him. Not, I mean, Gus Edwards... Gus Edwards is also another big L. Obviously, we talked about his contract today. Uh, usually, your rival running back that's taking your carries, getting a new contract, not the greatest sign. Little pro tip. Yeah. You don't want the guy you're competing with getting a brand new contract. I mean, Dobbins is still going to be the number one, but that contract's just not a good sign either That's way. scary. It just sounds like it's going to be more of a committee than even like we were predicting, mm-hmm. which... I mean, we already know Baltimore automatic committee, but it's just looking worse and worse for Dobbins as uh, more news comes out. Oh, it's it's not getting better anytime soon. <laughs> New contract for other running backs, other running backs visiting. A lot of negatives for Dobbins in the recent news of, uh, you know, committee signs. But we move on to one of our last players we have on this list. Back to the wide receivers. Wide receiver 19, Tyler Lockett. And now Lockett last year was a wide receiver one. 
he finished in the top 12 and has fallen all the way to wide receiver 19, even though the offense more or less has improved. And uh, the reason for this is Tyler Lockett was extremely inconsistent and for the most part was a wide receiver too for most of the weeks. He just had those few games where he basically was the best receiver in the league that week. And that's where his points came from. But that is not something you can rely on in fantasy. At the end of the day, the biggest thing to plan for is playoffs. And if your player is putting up wide receiver two numbers and then two weeks a season, he puts up the best wide receiver in the league numbers, that's a wide receiver two and who's trying to disguise himself as a wide receiver one. Tyler Lockett's not somebody that I would want as a wide receiver one. And ultimately, he will be a good wide receiver too and a strong Seattle offense once again. But ultimately, not going to be as good as, you know, those, those uh, total numbers suggest. He's going to, once again, regress as age continues to get him. DK Metcalf gets better. They bring in new guys. They drafted in a new wide receiver to take away targets from him. It's for the most part, Lockett is going to come to the end of his career, and I think he's going to get worse and worse, ultimately continuing his boomer bust play style this season. Yeah, not a lot of positives that you can see foresee in the future for him. Uh, the emergence of DK not helping, um, and really he just had he seemed off the past couple of years. It could just be regression from age, but I mean, he's not not looking too hot recently. I hate to say it. He did get a new contract, but ultimately, what good's a new contract when you still aren't producing on the field beforehand? That is true. But now we move on. Back to the running backs. We've had a nice back and forth here for a while. Running back 21, Mike Davis, making his appearance. And he's risen up a bit with the departure of Julio Jones. A great sign for Mike Davis being a pure workhorse in this Atlanta offense. I mean... There wasn't really much doubt, but a while back, Ido Smith was even released, which that just finalizes it for Mike Davis. Like, nothing. There's nobody to mm. compete with at all. He's going to be a workhorse, so... My guy, Ido. No matter... Even though Mike Davis, not the best running back, I mean, pure workload alone makes him a running back, too. That is true. I mean, yeah, if you're the only running back on yeah. the team... When you're getting 20 carries a game and like three to five cat, and if you get like three catches, then that doesn't matter if you're averaging three yards a game and five yards a catch, you're still going to be putting up running back two numbers at worst. And his workload has the potential to be a solid high, solid mid to high running back two. But ultimately, Mike Davis, not an efficient runner, doesn't matter. He's going to get carries week in, week out for Atlanta. He's going to see the field. He's going to get lots of touches. And you just got to, it's the same thing like TJ Hawkinson. You just got to think he's going to be getting the ball. So it doesn't matter how bad everything else is because he's just getting the ball constantly. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, it's just the sheer production doesn't matter if you're just getting force fed the ball like every play. He's going to be fine. Yeah. We now move on. Final four players on the list. Our 45th total player, wide receiver number 20, Adam Thielen. Which, Adam Thielen is in a situation this next season where we've already said he's looking to regress. 
he had quite a inconsistent season where if he wasn't a wide receiver one or if he wasn't in the top 24 he would be not even worth a flex he was so inconsistent every week there would be half the season reliable solid player put plug in the other half why do i have him on my team he's not even worth a bench start so he's in a situation where once again it doesn't look too good for him but if he can turn around the season and you know get more involved in the offense the defense comes out stronger then adam thielen can return to his form of an elite player the problem is touchdown dependency where he's one of the only players where i'm okay with his touchdown dependency simply because he is the number one guy that kirk cousins looks to in the red zone throughout the past few years and irv smith is now the number one tight end which i don't know if that's a good or bad thing the fact that Thielen was the number one against Rudolph, and now Irv Smith takes over, I think is a sign where Thielen should keep his red zone targets, which his touchdowns are all of his value. But if Irv Smith starts taking those touchdowns away, then Thielen's value is just going to drop even more. And I do not think he's going to have the best season. Ultimately, I don't see a very high ceiling for Thielen, and his floor is quite bad. But I mean, he has proven in the past to be an elite player nonetheless and can produce no matter what. So hopefully with this with Kirk Cousins, he can get back to his 2019 form and be a productive player consistently without being touchdown dependent. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned Jess Jefferson really taking over the offense. Bad news for Thielen. He has the opportunity to prove himself. We'll see how this works. But I'm not the highest on him, obviously. He's no. kind of fallen off recently. And Irv Smith's not a nobody. He, he has no. he has produced some human question mark at quarterback. Problem. But, you know. Problematic, yeah. At this point, it's it's a value pick. It's, uh, it's uh, Do you believe in Adam Thielen or not? I don't, unfortunately. Well, yes. We, we, we don't, you yeah. know. I also am not exactly the biggest believer. But, you know. At some point, it's worth taking. Yeah, for sure. If it gets late enough. If you get late into the fourth round, you start to get some value more and more. Mm-hmm. Which is the exact same mindset with our next player we have at 46. Running back 22, David Montgomery. A player who a lot of people don't seem to realize is in a pretty bad situation. Even with Justin Fields joining him. Of course, having an actual quarterback, that's a great thing. However... David Montgomery is not a good running back, and he's in a situation where Tariq Cohen is now back from a torn ACL, which I know a torn ACL, Montgomery is still going to keep a majority of the workload, but they were in a complete 50-50 split committee when Tariq Cohen was healthy, and that's not going to go away entirely. Montgomery is far from a workhorse back. Cohen was already the number one in the receiving game, he might lose a few of those touches, but I still expect him to be number one. And Montgomery in the run game is not very good behind a bad Bears offensive line. So it's in an interesting situation for Montgomery where he's seemingly bad offensive line, not getting as many points from the receiving game, not getting as many carries, a lot of negatives. But ultimately, he's going to have a solid total number of 
carries, even with Cohen back, should be more than a 50-50 split because Cohen's, you know, returning from an ACL, so he's not going to be as good. Montgomery should take over more and more, just not to the level people, for some reason, are predicting. So, low running back two. I personally would prefer him as a flex running back, but in the fourth round, I would understand if he ends up being a running back two. Not the best case scenario, especially seeing as he's so low. Solid player, nonetheless. Yeah, I think it's same situation as last year. O-line's not any better. Quarterback play doesn't really affect him that much. It's just Tariq Cohen being back from injury is just bad news. That That's all it is. You gotta keep him. I mean, people don't seem to remember Tariq Cohen's coming back for some reason. Yeah, Tariq Cohen's not horrible. I mean, he's not the greatest of all time, but like... He's honestly... He's gonna take away the carries. He's taking away, I think, the ceiling for Montgomery being, you know, all of the receiving game now is more or less falling off too, which mm-hmm. that's just gonna hurt Montgomery the most. But we move on now. Second to last player being tight end number four, Mark Andrews, which Mark Andrews making an appearance at 47 for the reason being... He is number one in Baltimore, even yeah. with the two new rookies joining him. He is still going to be the number one option in that offense. And no matter what, when you're the number one in an offense, you're going to be a solid player to get time in and time out. Andrews also has uh, the ability where none of the receivers are proven and there are no real pass catching backs in the backfield. So he's going to get a lot of targets once again. Of course, Rashad Bateman should have a solid season being an early rookie round, rookie draft pick for the Ravens, but he still is a rookie, so nothing is really guaranteed with him. And Marquise Brown kind of seemingly is a bust for them, so not sure how he will work out ultimately. I'm betting against uh, Marquise Brown and think that it will be just Mark Andrews will be the number one option in this offense and realistically only a reliable fantasy player for the receivers maybe you can see a bit from Rashad Bateman as a late run flyer but right now Mark Andrews is the only true uh, fantasy option in the passing attack yeah um, Mark Andrews he had a he had a nice a brief spill of being one of the top tier tight ends was like, was it like one season really yeah and uh, he's kind of settled back down to more of like the uh, he's a step below the top three, but still a solid option. And it is tough. I mean, the whole Ravens team is tough with having Lamar there. If he's running the ball, he's not throwing to you. But yeah. their wide receivers aren't exactly the greatest. So I mean, he is the he is the wide like the receiving option at tight end. So I think that's a good sign for him. And I'm not too upset taking him down. You know, end of fourth round. That's a value pick at the tight end. So I'm not too upset with this one. Yeah. And now we have our last player, which we already mentioned was on this list. Wide receiver 21, Mike Evans, sneaking on to the end of the fourth round as the last player for the episode, which Mike Evans makes his appearance because, well, he's an elite wide receiver and an elite offense. Unfortunately, that elite offense means a lot of competition which means Mike Evans' value is not as high, pushing him further down the list to a wide receiver 21. Ultimately, we've seen he has high touchdown upside with Brady. Obviously, we already mentioned there are games where 
he performs just purely based off of touchdowns. Not something you want to rely on, but if it happens, it's not a bad thing. And if you expect anyone to get those touchdowns once again, a six foot five tall wide receiver would be a good bet to go on. Usually the big guy in the end zone is the yeah. guy you want to toss the ball up to. But ultimately, Mike Evans might see a bit of regression this next year just because of how good that offense was last year. Or maybe better chemistry with Brady, full off season, he performs even better. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I think he's not going to have the best season. Just too much competition with the Buccaneers. It's a packed wide receiver room. Yeah, it's a packed just tight ends too. You got, mm-hmm. yeah, three starting caliber tight ends all on the same team, and it's just not the best situation over there, which ultimately hurts everyone's value. But Mike Evans should still be a solid wide receiver too, nonetheless. Nice way to round out our, our big board part two. Yeah, rounds three and four. Three and four over. Shout out Mike Evans. Mike Evans made the list just in time. That was a good episode. I got two of my guys in the third round. I was pretty pumped about it. Yeah. I'm still a bit demoralized about not realizing uh, the keeper news. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb as my keeper is going to be a nice one in the ninth round. We thank you guys for listening to our episode this week. Uh, Make sure to share it with your friends, your family, family friends, cousins. Everyone. Everyone. Have a good week. We'll see you next week.